Your holy name. 
yes, we'll worship your holy name, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we glorify in this place, Lord. We lift your name, Jesus, in this place. And Father God, we, we come to you this morning as your people, as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ, recognized in Jesus by you, Lord. thank you that you see us through the blood and we're accepted into your presence, Lord. I pray um, that you, Holy Spirit, just well up in us. Just spur our spirit on um, in the realization of our position in you, Jesus. We may glorify your name, Father. Actually, why don't we take a minute and just greet everybody? Just uh, holy kisses and hugs and all that kind of stuff, and just keep it keep it appropriate. Ed, Cheryl, yeah. Oh. Okay, that's enough. Come on, back to seats. Let us sing a song 
King, just declare his name. Jesus, your Lord, we praise you. We praise you. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my chains. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. 
Persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am proud beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. His joy is gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last o'er the night, His joy comes in the morning. Oh, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. His joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, His joy comes in the morning. Whoa, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord um, Is there anybody who wants to just speak that out this morning um, a declaration does somebody want to Speak that declaration out. You want to grab the mic, Steve? I'm not sure. Oh, it can be, I'm sure. Does anybody want to speak that declaration out of trading my sorrows, trading my shame? Yes, Lord. Anyone? Anyone want to declare that on behalf of us? Somebody brave? Well, I, I've been singing it, but <laughs> I will, Yes. I can, I can. So, Lord, we declare we're trading our sorrows. We're trading our shame. We're laying them down for your joy. We ask for your joy, Father. We're trading our sickness. We're trading any pain. We're laying them down for your joy. So we ask, Lord, for an exchange of all this stuff for your joy. Lord, you paid that price. You bought and paid for this all, so we want We don't want it, so we give it to you. We, we trade that with you, Lord. We thank you and we declare your promises are yes and amen. 
So we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Yeah. Yes, Lord. We're going to try, try a new one that we might train wreck on, but feel free to... This, is, this wasn't intentionally a, a, a dance dance set, but they all ended up being upbeat. So we haven't done this song before. I think I've taken about four runs at trying to do it, but it's a, it's a fast, fun song. But it, again, we're declaring freedom. It's called freedom. You came to set the captives free. So again, declare this over yourselves. Declare this over this, this body, this church. Declare this over Vegreville. Uh, he came for freedom. came to set the captives free You came to bring us liberty My sin and my rejection Your blood and my acceptance Now I'm alive to bring you praise Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every chain is broken in you, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Your blood, your blood has covered every sin. Your grace empowers me to win. My pain and my oppression, your blood and my acceptance. Now I'm alive to bring you praise. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free to shout it out. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free to dance and sing. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free to worship you. I'm gonna worship. 
Some, uh, some helpers to guide the actions of this song. I've got river living water, a fountain that never will run dry. It's an open heaven, you're releasing we Cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells Stirring up deep, deep waters We're gonna dance in the river Dance in the river Cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells Stirring up deep, deep waters We're gonna jump in the river Jump in the river Deep cries out to deep cries out to you, deep cries out, deep cries out to you, we cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. I've got river, living water, fountain, never will run dry, no, 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 it's an open heaven, you're Cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells Stirring up deep, deep waters We're gonna jump in the river Dance in the river Cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells Stirring up deep, deep waters We're gonna jump in the river Jump in Everybody sing it out Deep 
cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to we cry out to we cry out to you Jesus deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to we cry out to we cry out to you Jesus If he goes to the right, then we go to the left. And if he goes to the right, gonna go to the right. We're gonna dance, dance, jump, jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. If he goes to the right, gonna go to the right. Gonna dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left. Then we go to the left. If he goes to the right, gonna go to the. We're gonna jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 jump. Everybody, if he goes to the left, then we go to the left. If he goes to the right, gonna go to the right. Gonna shout, 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 shout in the river. Shout, 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 yeah. Deep cries out to deep cries out to you. Deep cries out to deep cries out to you. We cry out to we cry out to you, Jesus. Deep cries out to deep cries out to you. Deep cries out to deep cries out to you. We cry out to we cry out to you, Jesus. goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven flashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. We come alive in the We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river.
Break open prison doors Set all the captives free Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Nothing can stop this joy We're dancing in the streets Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Spring up a well 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 in me Spring up a well 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 in me Bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now, it's bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now, we come alive in the river We come alive in the river We come alive in the river We come alive in the river
to know you more with our hands to live and to lie in your presence oh God when you come so pour out your spirit we love to be near you oh God when you come with our hands to live and to lie in your presence oh God when you come, so pour out your spirit, we love to be near you, O oh God. When you come, come like a rushing wind, come like a fire again, come like a burning flame, have your way, have your way. Come like a rushing wind, come like the fire again, come like a burning flame, have your way, have your way. With our hands to the heavens alive, in your presence, oh God, when you come, so pour out your spirit, we love to be near you, oh God. When you come with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence, oh God. When you come with support out your spirit, we love to be near you, oh God. When you come, come like a rushing wind, come like the fire again. Come like a burning flame, have your way, have your way. Come like a rushing wind, come like the fire again. Come like a burning flame, have your way, have your way. With our hands to the heavens alive in your presence, oh God. When you come, so pour out your spirit, we love to be near you, oh God. When you come with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence, oh God. When you come, so pour out your spirit, we love to be near you, oh God. When you come with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence, oh God, when you come, so pour out your spirit of love to be near you, oh God, when you come.
I don't understand I will choose you I don't understand I will choose you God when I don't understand I will choose to love you God when I don't understand I will choose you I don't understand I will choose you God I don't understand I will choose to love you Johnny, and uh, this morning, God, we just we just bear our hearts before you, worship you, and we just invite once again your your spirit to come, your spirit to come upon us, Lord. We need we need your presence, we need your power, we need your we need you, Lord, in, in our midst, and we thank you, God, for your goodness, your goodness toward us. Your face that's shining down upon us. We thank you, God, for Jesus, for sending Jesus into this world 
to redeem us, to rescue us, to grant us the grace and the, and the, and the strength that we need to be able to live for you. And, and Lord, the hope that you give us, because you are good. You're a good, good father. You're a good God. And you're good all the time. And uh, we, we just pray that, Lord, this morning that we would reciprocate the love that you have bestowed upon us, you pour out upon us, the, that we would reciprocate that, Lord. That, God, we would be a people who would hold nothing back from whatever it is that you desire of us. Because you held nothing back for us. You gave it all. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And we ask you, Lord, today for our hearts to be open, our hearts to be open, our ears to be attentive to whatever the Spirit of God is, is, is speaking to each and every one of us as we journey through the remainder of this service, God. And uh, this is about us. It's about you conforming us and transforming us into you, what you want us to become. And I pray this morning that we'll all be pliable in your hands, that we will be allowing ourselves to be on that potter's wheel. Holy Spirit, we invite once again your presence and your power among us. Speak to us, Lord. Mold us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you're here this morning, welcome once again to Maple Street. Thank you, worship team, for your sharing your gifts. And uh, how many believe this morning that they are a gift to us today? All of those talents and abilities. Thank you so much for leading us in, in worship. And, and um, I know um, that the Lord is his, um, yeah, they're gifts, the gifts from, from the Lord. Welcome again to Maple Street. I know that uh, the weather gets better and, and uh, everybody tends to kind of like to maybe slip away a little bit. But we're here this morning and, and you're here. Because you're here, you're in, you've encouraged me. And you've encouraged someone else today in, by, your, by your presence. And, uh, and so welcome. And if you're here for the very first time, or maybe it's been a while or whatever, we just, uh, again, we extend a warm welcome and just trust that you are experiencing God's presence. As, and you feel something today. How many of you felt something today as you've been worshiping? You've sensed the presence of the Lord. And um, it makes it, all, makes it all worthwhile. Amen. Just want to turn our attention just for a moment to our bulletin, and a, a few things happening in the bulletin here. And of course, um, today is birthday Sunday, and I know we have at least a couple of birthdays here that we're celebrating in the month of April. And so you're welcome to stay this morning for cake and for coffee and. And all those wonderful things, and of course, uh, also uh, coming up this uh, this Tuesday. So in two days, we have a a very uh, energetic, very vibrant, colorful choir that's going to be landing here in Vegreville, Maple Street Worship Center. The Watoto Children's Choir from Uganda are going to be with us, and they're going to be singing, and they're going to be. Um, if you think that the kids here this morning did some actions, well, you just wait till they arrive. It's going to be uh, 
a real treat again to hear their testimonies and stories and to minister to us. Of course, uh, with a large group that's coming in the tour bus, uh, about 33, 34 people, we do have um, some accommodations that we've... And so we thank for, uh, are very thankful for those who have graciously opened up their homes to uh, accommodate those, um, some of the uh, children and the aunties and uncles as... Um, as they need a place of lodging and, and, and breakfast and a, and a bag lunch for the next day and then on to their next stop, on to their next concert. But also we do have uh, some uh, hotel costs that, that are also uh, related to the, the children's choir coming. And I just wanted to put that out that if, um, if you feel led to, to do this, and we would really in, uh, appreciate the help in, in covering the cost of about three hotel rooms, it would be approximately $400 cost. And if you can help uh, in any way to underwrite the cost so that, and here's the reason, is so that all of the offering that's received that evening can go directly to Watoto. And uh, just to give you a little idea of who Watoto is, you can see it on the very back. And that's uh, it was a ministry founded by... Gary and Marilyn Skinner, and uh, right now the cell-based church is uh, reaching uh, thousands of people. As you can see, a church that started out with about 70 people uh, in, in, um, in about 84 is now 24,000 people. They are reaching uh, orphans, orphans uh, who, you know, many of them uh, are orphaned as a result of AIDS, HIV, and so... We want to be a blessing to them as they bless us. And so we want to have all, if, as much as possible, all of those funds go to, to them as they continue to not only reach uh, the children who are orphaned, but also to raise them up to be those who, well, they're, they're, they, they're becoming world changers. Amen? So we want to assist them as much as we possibly can. So if you can help with that cost, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, of course, there's some volunteers needed uh, for meal preparation. And so we're asking about five volunteers. If you could provide a pasta dish, um, you know, if you've got a Dutch oven, like a pot, a large pot, and, and, and you can make a pasta dish that they, that they can dig into. I don't know about you, but my kids love pasta. So I, I just make a simple pasta dish, and the kids just go crazy over it, and they just gobble it all up. And so I know kids like pasta. And uh, if you can make a pasta dish, uh, that would be great. Looking to, um, yeah, looking to serve about 40 people or so. So if you can, and, and of course, four volunteers to make dessert for the group. Please pay attention to that, um, uh, that announcement in the bulletin. And if you can help out with that, just send Penny a text at 780-603-8163 by Monday at noon. And uh, I'll just leave the rest of that details there. Please pay attention to that. And if you feel led to get involved, we would really appreciate uh, the help in that regard this morning. So thank you very much for considering that. We're going to uh, move to our morning giving this morning. And uh, if you're here for the first time and you can't give, that's absolutely fine. For those who are here and call this their church, we, we want to do our very best to support. So we're going to call our ushers to come at this time. 
as we receive our morning tithe and offering. And then we're going to pray for the kids as they are dismissed as well. So thank you, Frank, as you uh, receive the tithe and offering today. And Ed, as he gives a hand, thank you so much. So let's pray this together. Let's pray this together. Read today's offering. We are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestation, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. And thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, that you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ours is right there beside you somewhere, underneath of all the stuff. No? Maybe they're in the offering plate. That might have been what happened. I think they're in the offering plate. Double check on that. So we're going to call the kids. We're going to pray for them as they're dismissed. And we've got some kids running around here today. We're going to call the kids. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Christiana, do you want to pray? No? Can we, can we pray together? Let's pray together. Let's pray together over these kids. So, Lord, we, uh, we just pause and we give you thanks for these young souls. We give you thanks for them, Lord. They're precious. They're gifts from you. And we just pray, Lord, that as you place these gifts in our hands, that as good stewards of your word that, and of their lives, that God, that we'll, that we'll see impartation today of your truth. So, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be into that room, you'll be with the teachers, you'll be with these children, and that, and that Lord, their hearts will be open toward you, and they'll experience and they'll hear you, and that, God, that they will understand that you're with them every step of the way. And so, Father, may your word be lodged within their hearts. May it bring forth good fruit in their lives. May they grow to love you each and every day, and may their lives be devoted for you, to, to you, Lord. May they find you as they seek you. And may you come into each and every life and every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If we could turn this morning into uh, Nehemiah chapter, chapter, just stick a, a, a sort of a, a bit of a, a spot into Nehemiah 9. And we're going to move over to 10 as well. Nehemiah 9, Nehemiah 10. And so I want to talk, yeah, so the 10's up there, but 9, nine is going to be referred to quite a bit too. So if, if you've got your Bible and you want to go to uh, Nehemiah 9, you can do that. And so, Lord, once again, we pray that our hearts will be open, just like the children. We pray, Father, that uh, our ears will be attentive. Holy Spirit, we ask that uh, you would have preeminence here, that Jesus would be exalted, 
that our lives today, God, we would, we would recognize who you are, that you are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, that you are sovereign over heaven and earth, that you are sovereign over our lives. And we ask today that God, Holy Spirit, that you will, you will just have your way here in this service as we've already sang. Have your way in our hearts and our lives today. Have your way in this church. May we be a people, may we be a people who are shaped by your word today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who here has ever seen the video Transformations? Transformations. I I see a few hands going up. I I remember back a few years ago when we were in Lockport in our home church and we watched the second installment of the video Transformations. And in that video... One of the fascinating stories that they had shared, and it was illustrated, kind of like a cartoon, uh, with with illustrated drawings. Uh, One of the fascinating stories that they shared was when uh, Jesuit priests had visited uh, a tribe up in northern Canada, a tribe of Inuit that were there. And these Jesuit priests were beginning to share with them the gospel. They were sharing them the story of who we know as Jesus, but to the Inuit to the Jesuits as they were sharing Jesus, they were sharing the story of Jesusi. Jesusi. And as they were sharing that story, they were telling them of how God the Father had sent his son Jesusi into the world and how he had sacrificed himself for their sins and how he was the true God. He was the true God. He was not like one of their animistic gods that they worshipped, but they worshipped Jesusi, and so they were sharing the story of Jesusi. And so the spiritual leader of that tribe, of course, had heard that story, and the spiritual leader of that tribe wanted to know, he wanted proof that the missionaries, that what they said was true. And so what this, mission, what this uh, tribal leader had done was he began to put Jesusi to the test. And so wanting to know if this was truth or not, he decided that he would stay up all night and that he would have his spear ready. Because what he told Jesusi was that if you are the true God of whom these missionaries speak, then my prayer is that you will deliver into my hands this night a seal. And so that way he would know whether they were bearing the truth or they were sharing a false message. And so that night he waited and he waited and he waited and it was a starry, dark night. And apparently there, it, was, it was a new moon night and as he waited, so it was very dark, and as he waited that there was a light that had shone from heaven, from the sky. And it shined down on the ice where he was, and as it shined, he could see the shadow of a seal under the ice. And when the opportune time came, he took the spear, and he stabbed it through, and he killed the seal, and he brought the seal up onto the ice. And one of the most fascinating things that I saw, and it just struck me as I began to witness as the story was unfolded, is that this tribal leader proceeded to take the seal, 
cut the seal into two halves, and then he would pass through between the halves of this killed seal. And I don't know if anybody else picked this up or not. As I was watching this on the, on, on the screen that night. But all of a sudden, it brought me back to Genesis chapter 15. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 8 to 10, it tells us that Abraham did exactly the same thing. No, it wasn't a seal, but Abraham did the exact same thing. Because he wanted to know, God, you, you, have, you have made a promise to me. In fact, we call it the Abrahamic covenant. That God had made a promise to Abraham that he would make him the father of many nations. He would make him into a great nation and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And so he says, but Abraham, over sovereign Lord, he said, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And of course, the land that he promised. How will I know that I will receive the things you promised me? Just like that Inuit leader, how do I know that this is the true God? And so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, and along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought them to him. He cut them in two, and he arranged the halves opposite each other. And it says in verse 17, it says that when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking pot, not a, not a light from heaven, but a smoking pot, with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And in verse 18, it says that on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Of course, he became Abraham, or Abraham, as we call him. But the Lord made a covenant that day. And I want you to know that that, that spiritual leader in the northern Inuit tribe that night, when he received the seal and he cut it in half and he arranged the halves opposite and he passed through, he made a covenant with God that night. And not only did he make the covenant, but his entire tribe followed him in devoting their lives to following Jesusi that night. So here it was, Abraham also making a covenant with God. Now you might ask the question, what does that have to do with revival? Well, I'm really glad that you asked the question this morning. How many know this morning that when Jesus was in, the, was in the room with his disciples, that during the last meal, the last supper, the Passover meal, that he also made a covenant with them as well? And Paul tells us that if we've been united with him like this, meaning his death and his resurrection, he says in his death, we will certainly be united with him in resurrection, meaning that we, that we who were once dead are brought to life. I want you to understand this morning that a covenant with God is life. Covenant with God is life. And when Jesus, when Jesus was enacting that, he was enacting, he was entering into covenant relationship. And our covenant with God means that God has promised us that if we walk in covenant with him, covenant is this, God says, I will if you will. I will if you you will. Amen? You, you agree with that this morning. In fact, you don't have to agree with me. We just have to agree with the word. If you will, I will. That he will arrange for the welfare of those who render obedience unto him. So what does it have to do with revival? Well, if we look at Nehemiah chapter 9, 
in verse 38, and we're going to get there in a few minutes. But if we look at Nehemiah chapter 9, and we're going to get to that verse, but if you look at Nehemiah chapter 9, we've been in Nehemiah, and remember last week we talked about how Ezra had gotten up and he had begun to read from the book of the law from the first day of the seventh month. And we talked about spiritual receptivity, and we talked about obedience, and we, and we talked about a number of different things in terms of, of what the Word of God had to do when it came to a recipe for revival. But we also noticed that in chapter 9, and it's a lengthy chapter, so we're not going to read all of that, but we're going to give you the survey here. That in chapter 9, in the very first four verses, chapter 9, you'll find that Ezra... And again, he was no T.D. Jakes. He's reading from the book of the law, and he read from the book of the law for 24 days. 24 days. And the people gathered, and after 24 days of reading from the book of the law, the people got together, they were mourning, they were fasting, they were confessing. In other words, there was a lot of repentance going on because all of a sudden now they are being, the covenant is being held up to them. And they recognize how far away from the covenant that they are. They recognize this. And so now they're in a posture of repentance. And the rest of the chapter contrasts God's faithfulness. God is a faithful God, by the way. He is a good God. But how many understand that there's times when his people aren't quite so much the way that God is? Sometimes his, his people forget the good things that he has done. Sometimes God's people forget the promises that he has made. Sometimes they forget the decrees and the, the, uh, the commandments and the precepts that he has laid down for his people to follow. And sometimes we get way off track. And the Bible is very, very clear and sometimes the the way that the wording is 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 brought out it sounds really tough when you read that things like they were a stiff-necked people well it's a little harsh well it's also reality stiff-necked unfaithful disobedient you see they were chasing after other gods their hearts were in the wrong place and so were their actions but here's the good news. The good news is that when Israel confessed their sins, when Israel repented of their, of their unfaithfulness, how many understand that God is ready and willing and he wants us to experience his love, his abundance. And I'm not saying he doesn't love us when we're disobedient. Please understand that. But what he wants us to experience is his blessing, his prosperity, his protection for those who obey him. I want you to understand this morning that sometimes the blessing, or a lot of times the blessings of God, walking with God, are conditioned on our obedience to Him. Now that's not saying He doesn't love us. How many understand that a father loves his children and sometimes they need a spanking? Sometimes they need correction. And this is what's happening is that Ezra is taking the law, the book of the law, and they're beginning to see where they are spiritually as a nation. How many understand that James reinforces this when he says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. We talked about freedom this morning. And I want you to know that freedom comes with responsibilities. But the, the one who looks intently into the law that gives freedom and continues to do this, 
This is not a one-time thing. It has to be a pattern of your life. But it says not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. And you see what happened was, again, is that they had strayed a long way from the blueprint that God had laid down for their lives. And once they recognized how far they had gone, they began to confess. They began to mourn. They began to, to fast. They began to, you know, with sackcloth and ashes, they were mourning. And there they were, they recognized, and you'll see that in the first three uh, verses in Nehemiah 9, but they also recognized where they were, presently where they were. They considered themselves in verses 36 and 37, that they, they considered themselves to be slaves in the land, the land that God had given their forefathers. And so they realized where they were, and they realized that they needed to get back on course. And in verse 39 in Nehemiah 9, now listen to this. This is interesting. In view of all of this, the law that has been now read, recounting God's faithfulness and their unfaithfulness to what he required of them to do, they came to a point where in verse 39 it says, in view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement. Putting it in writing... And our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are fixing their seals. In other words, they were renewing their covenant with God that day. Now, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 10, and you go to the very opening of the chapter, you'll notice that when you go from verse 1 to verse 27, it's really not exciting reading. It's basically a list. A list of all of those who had signed it. A list of those who had affixed their seals. Those who sealed it were, verses 20, verse 1 down to 27. Not going to read all those names. That would be a very boring read. But they're listed there. They're listed there. It was a list of those who had sealed it. Now coming back to revival here. When we think about the word revival. Revival means to receive life and vigor. It means to return to consciousness. I want you to understand this is what was happening that day as they began to recognize how far they had come. They were returning to consciousness. They were a people who were in sleep and slumber. And I want you to know today that the church of Jesus Christ in North America needs to come out of its sleep and its slumber. It needs to be awakened to, its con to consciousness to understand how far away from the word of God we're drifting. There are people who confess Jesus and yet when you think, when you look at their lifestyle and you look at their attitude and you look at the affections of your heart or their hearts, you'll, you'll determine that this cannot be so. Because folks, the truth is, statistics have come in, George Barner and so on and so forth, they're showing that Christians are acting more like the world than the world they're trying to change. Revival means to be awakened to consciousness. We need revival. Revival. Revival is that sovereign work of God in which he visits his own people, restoring and releasing them into the fullness of his blessing. Robert Coleman said that revival is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. Vance Harbner said that revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. And folks, this is what was happening in Nehemiah's day. I want to highlight three things this morning. That was a bit of an opener here. So fasten your seatbelts. One of the things that you'll notice 
that happened was, if you go down to verse 28, because we're going to spend a little bit of time in chapter 10, just for a few moments here. It says, the rest of the people, if we can get that up or not, but if you don't have your Bible, we can get it up. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, they call them the temple servants. And those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land of the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, and everyone who had knowledge and understanding. And you keep on going. It says, all of these now join their fellow Israelites and nobles, and they bind themselves with a curse and oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God. Folks, I want you to understand that this is the word that they had. This is the word of God that they had. We have a New Testament today. Yes, we do. But even when Paul was writing epistles, the Old Testament was still their Bible, the Hebrew Bible. And so here they have the, the, the law of God given through Moses, the servant. And I want you to see something here that's kind of interesting. It says that the rest of the people, it says, they all separated themselves and the neighboring people for the sake of the law of God. They separated themselves. In other words, we're not going to be like the rest of them. We're going to be different. And I want you to understand, this, is, this is highlights a principle here of holiness. They wanted to bind themselves. They wanted to separate themselves from the ways of, the, of others to bind themselves to the way of following God. And how many know and how many believe that we're not to take our cues from the world? We're not to take our cues from the world. We're not to live like the world. We're not to act like the world. Or we're not to think like the world. We are to be a distinct people. Of course, that doesn't mean that you can't wear the same kind of shirt or the same kind of jeans or whatever. you. That's not what we're saying here. Some people will try to separate themselves even by the way that they dress. No, what, Jesus, what God is asking us to do is that we are different in the way that we live, act, and we think. We're to be a distinct people. In fact, we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We are to be salt and light in a world that is corrupt and dark. We are to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy a people belonging to God. We sang that this morning. Come, let us sing a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. If we belong to Jesus, then we are to be different. Now, there's a lot of silence, so I'm not sure if you just guys are just listening. I hope you are listening. There was a Scottish preacher who liked to tell about an eagle that had been captured when he was young, and the farmer who had snared the bird put it, a restraint on it so it couldn't fly. And so he was turned loose, and he began to act like the chickens. And you probably heard something like this before. So he could soar, but now he's with the lowly chickens and one day the farmer was visited by a shepherd who came down from the mountain and he and he saw the eagle and he said what a shame to keep that bird hobbled here in the barnyard why don't you let it go so they cut off the restraint but the eagle continued to wander around acting like it was a chicken scratching and pecking like a chicken and finally he took it to a stone wall and for the first time the eagle could see the great expanse of the sky and the eagle spread its wings took a leap, soared off, and it began to act like an eagle again. I want you to know that that's who we are today. We're not to be a barnyard chicken. We are to be an eagle. 
That's who God, who God has made us to be, we need to be. Amen? And there's a lot of Christians today, and that's an illustration here, and a lot of Christians today that like the world pecking around, scratching and pecking, we have eagles in the barnyard. Should never be so. Amen? As, as believers in Jesus, we have been made for something more. We've been created for something more. Hallelujah. Amen? We've been made for something more. More. Our calling is higher. Therefore, the responsibility is greater. Amen? And so we need to be sure that we understand that. That we've been made to soar. We've been, we, we are destined. I like what Joseph Prince, one I think his program is called Destined to Reign. I kind of like that. Anybody like that? Destined I'm not saying the program. I like the name, Destined to Reign. We are destined for something more. But Vance Harbner, one time, he said, most church members live so far below the standard, you have to backslide to get into fellowship. Should never be. We've been called to holiness. Another thing that you'll notice, not only are we called to holiness, and you'll see that happening in, in their lives, but you'll also notice that they were called to faithfulness. Chapter 10, verse 29, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of our Lord. Now, there's a reason for that, because they recognized of how far they had drifted. They recognized that God was faithful, but they were not. Now, could you imagine for a moment, if you live for a company, or you work for a company, whose president found it necessary to travel outside of the country and to spend extended amounts of time away, and then he says to the, to the trusted employees, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to leave. I'm going away for a long, long time, and I want you to pay real close attention to the business. So you need to manage things while I'm away. I'm going to write to you regularly, and when I do, I'll instruct you in what you need to do from now on until I get back. And then everybody says, yeah, sure, we'll take care of that, no problem. So he leaves, and he's gone away for a while. And during that time, he writes, and he communicates his desires and his concerns, and finally he returns, and he, he walks up to the, to the door of the company, and he immediately discovers that everything is in a mess. There's weeds flourishing in the flower beds. There's windows that are broken everywhere. There's a gal at the front desk, and she's asleep. There's loud music that's roaring from the offices. There's two or three people engaged in horseplay. There's, there's, uh, it's, just a, it's just a chaos here. Instead of making profit, the business has suffered great loss. And so he's coming back and he said, what in the world has happened here? How did it get this way? Didn't you get my letters? Oh, yeah, sure. We got your letters. We got all of them. We bounded them. And uh, we even memorized some of these letters. We have letter study every Sunday, by the way. There are really great letters, by the way, that you read. Well, my question might be, maybe, maybe this would be the question of the, of the president, what did you do with my instructions? What did you do with what I asked you to do? Isn't that like a lot of churches and a lot of Christians today that we'll know what it says? We'll have our letter study. We'll bind it. But folks, I want you to know that part of revival is that we actually do what God has told us to do. These are not just great ideas. These are not just great things. These are, these are not suggestions. These are commandments. And so notice what the resolve in the hearts of the people are. They promise not to get themselves into idolatry by 
getting in, 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 in with, in with um, you know, getting in with the other uh, 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 pagan unbelievers. Because I remember one time, a pastor told me, he said, you know, he said, every date is a potential marriage. Every date is a potential marriage. The first date can lead to a second. Young people need to hear this, by the way. Every date can lead to a second date, and a third date, and a fourth date, and eventually it might just lead to a marriage proposal. And I remember watching on television all these different Christians, and they would marry people who had different beliefs, and I wondered myself, how in the world is that going to work? Because you can't be in two places at one time. You can't have the Bible at one hand and then have the Quran on the other. And everybody said, Amen. You can't follow Jesus and follow Buddha. Folks, we live in a pluralistic society and this is becoming a norm. Remember, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So it's very careful. We need to be thinking about that. Jesus said that a host divided against itself cannot stand. If there's no unity and there's no shared values, then you have two parents going in the opposite direction with the children in the middle. You know, Solomon was supposed to be the wisest guy who ever lived. But I question that. Because I watched Fred Flintstone have problems with his mother-in-law. And I'm thinking to myself, a guy who's got a thousand wives and concubines all together means he had a thousand mother-in-laws. Are you crazy, Solomon? You never thought that, did you? It's amazing what the Bible shows you. But he was supposed to be wise, and yet how many understand that it was his, his marriages to some of these women that he, that he had chosen caused Solomon to compromise? Wise but a little bit slow. Most guys are a little slow anyway. He ended up fostering foreign relations that pulled him down instead of pulling him up. And he ended up following gods and goddesses and doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So it's really important that we understand here that we need to, under, we need to have our hearts bent toward the Lord and the Lord only so that we can imitate him in faithfulness. Andrew Murray once said this. He said that a true revival means nothing less than a revolution, casting out the spirit of worldliness and making God's love triumph in the heart. So holiness, faithfulness. What's another aspect? And I want to, I want to spend a little time on this. Open-handedness is another part of revival. Open-handedness. At the close of verse, or excuse me, at the close of chapter 10, you'll notice that there's these words that says, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Wow. They heard the word. They repented of their sin. They recognized how far they way. And one of the aspects was they would not neglect the house of the Lord. We have Christians today that would rather be somewhere else than in the house of the Lord to worship him, to fellowship, to spend time in the word and allow 
the Holy Spirit to form and shape our lives. I remember reading a book, really great book, called Revival Fire. And in the book Revival Fire, I was just floored when I heard stories of when John Wesley and George Whitfield would be preaching in the fields and there would be big burly men who would be coming in the boats. And in those boats, they were so under conviction that they just couldn't wait to get to shore to repent and turn their lives to Jesus. I remember reading of these lumberjacks in, in, uh, in, the, in the state of Pennsylvania. And one of them had went to this revival meeting and he got so changed that he began to witness in the, in the logging camps down the river. And these men began to... There were so many people that got saved during the... the uh, I think it was the first Great Awakening, maybe even the second, that there wasn't enough churches, places of worship to house everybody. They actually had to construct new places for these people to be grounded and to grow in their, in their walk with God. But would you not say that probably we have an opposite problem today? That now there's more churches that are closing than are starting. And even among those who are considered themselves to be Christians... It seems that we're neglecting the house of the Lord. But you'll notice that that is not the heart that they had. They said, we will not neglect the house of our God. And one of the ways that they demonstrated that was they ensured that the services would continue. And they would properly construct things, and they, they made that commitment by bringing a third of a shekel every year. In verse 32, you'll notice in chapter 10, Another thing that they did in renewing their covenant with God is that they made a commitment to bring to the Lord each year of the first fruits of their crops. And they also committed to bring a tithe of their crops in verse 35. Look at verse 37. It says, We will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil, and will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. And if you continue on uh, a little bit further, it says, A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth, of the tithes up to the house of our God to the storerooms of the treasury. And the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary and for the ministering priests and the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. And they end it with this, we will not neglect the house of our God. Now, it would look pretty strange today if we all begin to haul in olive oil, and wine, and grain, and all of that stuff today. It would look a little bit strange. But it's interesting, the heart behind it here. What is the heart behind it here? The heart behind it here is simply this, is that because our God wants to bless us as we walk in covenant to him, we want to be a blessing to him. We want to be sure that we do what our God wants us to do. So we have an open-handed policy here. And that open-handed policy was simply this, is that we want to be sure that what is the Lord's 
is given to him. Now, it's interesting that, you know, because I know that there's people today that will say, well, you know, tithing is, is the law, right? That's the law. That's Old Testament law. Well, it's interesting that tithing actually predates the law, by the way. Uh, some people will argue that. They'll say, well, tithing was a part of the law, but we're under grace, so we're not under law anymore. Okay. Interestingly, is that tithing predated the law. So what is tithing? Well, as a definition, it's, it's giving a tenth of the pro, pro, uh, products of the land. In the Old Testament, they gave a tenth of the products of the spoils of, of, of war. And they gave it to the priests and the kings, and it was a very ancient custom. And it was long before the institution of the Mosaic Law. It predates the law. It's a principle that actually runs through the entire Bible. You'll notice one of the things in the Garden of Eden is that God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and what he makes them is not owners of the garden, he makes them stewards of the garden. And in their stewardship, God says, you can tend every, I want you to tend everything here, and you can eat of every tree of the garden except one tree is not yours. It's not yours to eat from. So they were stewards. But the Lord was the owner. And if you are a good steward, you'll live. But if you, are a, if you are a bad steward and you try to take ownership, it brings death. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter 14, it says that Abraham gave a tenth of everything. Now this is way, way, way before Moses in his day. And who did Abraham give his tithe to? He gave it to King Melchizedek. He was the king of Salem. He was a priest of God Most High. We also notice that in Genesis 28, Jacob, and I'm not being comprehensive with all of this, but I'm just hitting a few highlights. But in Genesis 28, verse 22, Jacob said, and he said, in this stone I have set up, and this is Jacob speaking here, as a pillar to be God's house. And of that all you give me, I will give a, you a tenth of it all. So Abraham and Jacob, this is, again, this is before Moses. So tithing predates the law. But the principle was also reiterated in the law. So in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it reads, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord and it's holy. So if you read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, you'll notice that a tithe had to be given of the seed of the land. You'll notice that the crops, a tithe of the crops, a tithe of the fruits of the trees, oil, wine, and of the herds or the flocks, and the tithes were considered, as I said before, holy to the Lord. In Numbers 13, verses 21 to 32, it tells us that the tithe had to be paid to the Levites because there was no other inheritance that they had. They were completely devoted to the service of the Lord. And so therefore, that's how the nation of Israel provided for those who served the Lord in that capacity. Now, it's interesting that Jesus, if you go into Matthew 23, verse 23, into the New Testament, that I would say that Jesus, it sounds to me, and, and we could discuss this, we could debate it perhaps, but it seems to me that Jesus even endorsed the principle 
of tithing in Matthew 23, 23, where he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. We'll stop right there. And the, and the question is, is why did he say a tenth of your spices? Is because in the Talmud, in the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, there was, there was rabbinic writings, there was rabbinic teaching that actually extended the law of Moses. And so what they decided to do was they began to make a law to tithe on pretty well virtually everything that there was. So even to the point where you need to give a tenth of your spices, can you imagine now? Can you imagine now that you would go into your cupboard and you'd actually weigh out a tenth of what you have in your spices and, and you bring that? Everything. Everything. But here's what he says. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And here's what he says to them. He says, you should have practiced the former. What was the former? Well, in in my reading, I'm seeing that Jesus isn't saying they shouldn't have tithed on their spices. You should have practiced the former without neglecting the latter. What was the latter? The latter was mercy, justice, faithfulness. But pastor, we're under grace, not law. Well, you're absolutely 100% correct. 100% correct that we are under grace and not law. But here's what you'll find is very interesting. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate the grace of God. Anybody here appreciate the grace of God? Because I can't fulfill all of these certain things in my own strength. But what I can do is I can fulfill these things because of the power of the Spirit at work in my life. Okay? So I enjoy, love the grace of God. Always had a problem accepting the grace of God. But I want you to know this is that the grace of God, or or the the righteousness of grace, mark it down, the righteousness of grace, I'm a little bit of a teaching mode here this morning, if you haven't noticed, but the righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of law. I didn't say that, by the way. Jesus said it. Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20. He says, Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I, for, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside at least one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses, another word is exceeds, another word means it goes further. So unless your righteousness goes further than that of the Pharisees. Well, just a second, Jesus. You just told told me that these guys were tithing on their spices. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, they're tithing on everything, 10% of everything. But Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds, goes further, extends beyond that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
Well, what does that mean? Well, guess what? When you go further in Matthew 5, you'll discover that Jesus begins to make a comparison between law and grace. And here's what the law says. The law says, if you murder... Now, how many would understand that if you murdered somebody according to Mosaic law, it meant you actually killed them? You took a sword, and you sliced and you diced. Maybe you struck them and you hit them with a rock or your fist or whatever. You killed them. But Jesus says, what does, he, what does he say murder is? If you hate your brother or your sister. Well, wait a minute. I thought murder was actually committing murder. Oh, Jesus actually goes and he redefines it. And he says, if you hate your brother or sister, you've committed murder. We're under grace. Amen? Grace exceeds the law. How about adultery? Adultery is a physical act, amen? According to the law of Moses. But according to the law of grace, the law of grace is that if you should look at someone with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery with them. You don't have to touch them. All you need to do is have things happen in your mind. The righteousness of the law is surpassed by the righteousness of grace. Well, how about loving your neighbor and hating your enemy? You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But guess what grace says? This is what Jesus says. Jesus says that you're not only to love your neighbor, but you are to love and to pray for those who hate you and persecute you. Now, folks, we could spend an entire message on this. Because if the church could actually get this, we wouldn't have offenses that were petty. We wouldn't have people leave because the pastor didn't shake their hand or someone looked at them the wrong way. Because we have to understand that if we are going to function according to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, it surpasses the demands of the law. So, Absolutely, 100%, I totally agree. We're not under law. We're under grace. And because we're under grace, it actually extends beyond the requirements, the minimum requirements of the law. And so if you have a problem with law, we're going to have a much bigger problem with grace because grace demands a whole lot more. Because, folks... We don't have the law written on stone tablets anymore. We actually have the law written on our hearts. We actually have the presence of the Holy Spirit now occupying our temple. And as we read God's word, and as we desire to be people who proclaim that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord, we have to ask ourselves the question, are my, is my heart where my words are? Because talk is cheap. Amen? Is my heart, are my actions, are my attitudes where my words are? Because, folks, we also have a problem in the general church in North America right now is that there are many people who will worship a God they no longer pray to. Because worship has become music and lyrics and cheap. And talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. 
Not a lot of jumping and shouting this morning. It's interesting that we also have a problem with the spirit of mammon. Because the richer we get, the less we give. The more time that we have, the less we devote. They said that in 1969, the average church member gave 3.1% of their total income. Less than a third of a tithe. Remember, the tithe belongs to the Lord and it's holy, it's devoted to Him. That's the minimum. And I don't talk about tithing a lot, but this, it sort of came up in the text. But every year that figure dropped, it recovered at one point to about 2.66%. But the facts are is that the richer we get, the less we give. And today, on average, evangelical Christians give about two fifths. And some people might say, well, I really can't afford to do that. Well, folks, we can't afford not to. Three things. Three things. The Lord says, I do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your forefathers. You have turned away from my decrees, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how do we return? And so the question is posed, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? How do you? But how, you ask, how do you rob me? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Therefore, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and, your, and the vines of your fields will not cast, cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Number one, you'll notice that God doesn't change. And he promises that if you do it, you'll be food in my house. Well, if you remember what we already said, that in the Old Testament, it was, the tithe was used to maintain the Levites. It was used for festive purposes. And so we do the same today to care for the ministry of our local churches and those who lead. And so Jesus, and not only that, but also to fund missionary efforts, to help the poor, all those different things. Because I want you to know, folks, this morning, that Justin Trudeau is not going to fund the gospel. Rachel Notley is not going to fund the gospel. David Wilkerson one time said, people told him, they said, well, Pastor, you're supposed, to, uh, you're supposed to have faith that God will take care of you. He said, yes, that's true. He said, but I rely on the faithfulness of God's people. That's how God does it. But I want you to know right now that that's not what's happening in, in, in the church. Because the more we have, the less we give. The more we have, the less we give. And they said that if American, U.S.-based Christians alone, evangelical Christians, who claim to be born again, would just tithe, just hit that 10% minimum, they would have an, about 70 to $80 billion more every single year for the, to fund the gospel around the world and to fight hunger and poverty. And Jesus, or the Lord says that you'll receive blessing and protection. He says, I'll throw the, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you'll not have enough room for it. I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops. It's interesting that in the revival under Hezekiah in, in 2 Chronicles, it was a similar thing that happened. Similar thing had happened. And it, when the revival hit, it's interesting that, again, because we're talking about open-handedness here, 
that it said that after he had commanded the people in Jerusalem to support the ministry of the priests and Levites, it said that they brought in abundantly a tithe of everything. In fact, it says, he says, we have enough, and he says, we have plenty left, he said, for what they need, and plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is great abundance. People just began to honor the Lord, and the Lord honored them. Can you imagine this morning? Can you imagine what could be done if our hearts this morning matched the words that we confessed? Can you imagine if we began to truly live according to the word of God? Now, you might say, well, Pastor, you, you, you forgot the New Testament. Well, I'm, again, here's, here's the point. Remember that there's, a, there's a, a verse that we oftentimes will quote, and it's in Philippians, where it says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his, rich, according to his, uh, to his riches and his glory, right? And my God will supply all your needs. Well, oftentimes it's taken out of context. Because if you read what happened before that, you'll notice that Paul was in great need, and the Macedonians got together and said, Guess what? We're going to make sure Paul's looked after. He's in need. And so, and so their hearts were there. And they put together an offering and they sent it to Paul. And Paul said, because of your generosity. Folks, I'm not talking about rules here. I'm talking about heart. That when we, live, when we have revival, when we truly have the Spirit of God governing and ruling our lives, I want you to know the results are going to be that we're going to be a people who walk in holiness before the Lord. We're going to be people who want to be faithful to what he has declared. We want to be faithful. Listen, this is what the prophets did. The prophets in, in the Old Testament, when the king was getting away and going further than they, than they should, and they were getting the idolatry, they opened up the covenant. And they said, King, here is the covenant. The Lord says, if you do this, you'll be blessed. But if you do this, you're going to curse. And if you don't turn away, this is what the Lord says is going to happen. It sounds, it sounds rough, but it's true. But God has called us to holiness. He's called us to be distinct. He's called us to be faithful as he's faithful to us. His promises are a yes and amen to those who believe, but folks, it's also about walking in obedience and submission to him. He needs to be on the throne of our hearts and our lives. And then the other principle is generosity. I called it open-handedness, just to make it sure it rhymed. Holiness, faithfulness, open-handedness. <laughs> but it's about a heart of generosity. And just as grace demands more, it means there's no limit. The tithe was the minimum, but there's no limit. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could live on 10% and give 90% to the Lord? Hello. See, God has no problem getting the money to you. It's getting the money through you. Just remember that. And I feel, and I get the same thing. Please understand me. Don't think I'm pointing a finger because when there's a finger pointed, there's four pointing back at me. I'm with you on this. But can you imagine? Can you imagine what could happen if the Lord's people say, Lord, forgive me. I want to live holy before you. I want to be faithful to your word. And I want to be generous not only with what you have given me in terms of a material ability, but that I would give my life 
to you in service with all that I have, all you've blessed me with. It's not about putting limits because God doesn't put limits on his grace. I'm thankful this morning that God's grace and his love has been poured out liberally, abundantly upon us. And what Jesus wants us to do is to pour that back to him. Just like when the lady took the alabaster box of that expensive perfume and she broke it and she anointed his feet. Oh, we could have sold that and made lots of money, but guess what? Jesus is worth all that we have. Can we stand this morning? So I invite the worship team to come back. Come, let us sing a song. A song declaring that we belong to Jesus. And folks, I believe this morning that if we belong to Jesus, if we truly belong to Him, if our hearts are with Him, if our hearts are with Him, it'll mean that we walk in holiness. We can get the kids to come back, please. We walk in holiness, faithfulness, and open-handedness. Open-handedness. Are you glad that God is good today? Are you glad that when you fail Him, He's just waiting for you to come, confess it, get it under the blood, and say, guess what, I forgive you and I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter. Aren't you glad today that God is not short in the supply of mercy or compassion? Are you glad that he has an abundant supply of grace just waiting for each and every one of us? But he also has an abundance of the Spirit because, folks, I want you to understand that, that though it be hard, oh, we say, oh, we can never live up to that. Listen, we can, we can live up to it so long as we yield to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives us the ability and strength. And folks, it's all about our heart and our affections. And so I ask the question, where is our heart? Is our heart wanting that life of God? Is it, do we want to be revived? Do we want to see revival, not just personally, but in our church? Do we want to see revival spread across this town? Wouldn't it be awesome if the Alliance Church was experiencing revival and we were experiencing revival with them? But now we recognize who we really are. We're not barnyard chickens. We're meant to soar. We're meant to soar. We recognize that, yes, we have a high and a holy calling. Yes, we have a, a, an obligation to be faithful. We have an obligation to the Spirit of God, not to the flesh or the devil or any manipulative spirit that there might be lurking in the darkness. And that we're to live as people of grace, open-handed, willing to, give, willing to lay our di- lives down for Jesus in his cause. Wouldn't that be awesome? if revival hit other churches in our community? Wouldn't it be great if revival swept across Canada? Well, I want you to know revival begins. Revival begins in our hearts. And you can be a candidate for revival. I want God's spirit. I just, well, I loved it when we were singing that song. Come like a rushing wind. I was like, Lord, just come. Holy Spirit, just, just set this place on fire. Would that be your heart this morning? Is that where your heart is? I trust that it is. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you haven't experienced his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Maybe you haven't received that new life today. Maybe there's somebody here. Is there anybody here who would lift a hand and say, I don't know Jesus personally. I, haven't, I don't have a relationship with him. But I'd like to get to know him. 
And if that's you here this morning, if you just lift your hand, we just want to pray for you. Just want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray this morning that as we sing this song, that our hearts will match the words, that you will indeed be the Lord and the King of our lives. And if not, that this moment forward, we ask God, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to embrace Jesus as fully Lord and fully King of our lives. That we would live as holy, faithful, and in generosity toward you as you have been to us. Because these, these are the results of a revived people. So come. Come. Sing a song. Song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. Come, let us sing one more time. Oh, come. Oh, come, let us sing a song. A song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the king. Is coming back. Let's sing. sing to the king who's coming. Oh, sing to the king who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, his empire shall bring joy to Sees you the king for his returning. We watch and we pray. We will be ready the dawn of that day. We'll join in singing with all the Satan is vanquished and Jesus is King. Yeah. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. Lift up a heart. Lift up a heart. Oh, lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. 
sing to the King. One more time, lift up a heart, lift up a heart. Oh, lift up the heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. Hallelujah. Lord, this morning we lift up a heart, a heart of praise, not only from our lips, but we pray this morning, Lord, we'll lift it up with our very lives, our very lives. And that, God, that you will bring into each and every heart, every life that's here in this church, we pray, Lord, that you would bring a revival. You would bring revival. May it start in each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, we continue to pray. And we continue to ask that you will come. That you will come in all your power. You'll come in all your glory. And you'll, you will revive and you will change and you'll transform us into what you want us to be and who you want us to be. Lord, we just pray a blessing over this church today. We pray a blessing over each and every one that has come today. And may, Lord... May, Lord, we say that it's been good to be in your house today. And, Father, we ask a blessing over the cake and the ice cream and celebration of the birthdays that we're observing. And we just ask, God, for many more, many more years. You'll bless with many more years, health and strength in Jesus' name. And, Father, we just pray that as we leave later on this place that God will be able to walk in the ways that you desire us to be. And as we do, Lord, as we do, may the blessings of, the, of, of God and of the kingdom continue to rain down on this place and on each and every life. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're soon going to be transitioning to cake and ice cream. So, coffee.